Hello and welcome into another episode of the Esports Network podcast in partnership with Reuters. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams, and today we are talking to Cody and Cole Hawk. They're two brothers who created Up North Management, a firm that manages gamers, streamers, content creators, and all that good stuff. Cody, Cole, thanks for joining the show. Yeah, Mitch, thanks for having us. We appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having us on. They created the gaming management firm about two years ago, just celebrated their two-year anniversary in September, and they've quickly grown their list of clients. It now includes popular content creators like Formula, Noisy Butters, Nix, and many more. They've done brand deals with Samsung, Nesquik, Gatorade, Bauer, and many more. They created Hockey to Help, a charity program and a live stream fundraiser on Twitch sponsored by GameStop that featured several top NHL players and a client benefiting COVID-19 relief efforts. They raised over 20k to help those efforts. And they even produced a cartoon series for star Miami Dolphins wide receiver Devontae Parker called Uncle Vontae. In this show, we're going to talk about the world of gaming management, working with brands who have long gaming strategies and ones that are just getting into the space, and how Up North works with streamers and content creators to make sure they're maximizing their careers. But first, I got to say, I've got Devontae Parker on my fantasy football team, and I already changed his nickname <laughs> to Uncle Vontae. Where did that uh, idea come from? <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, Cole and I, um, again, I think from up north perspective, we're always trying to bridge the gap between mainstream culture, entertainment, sports, and video games. Um, we had approached uh, Devontae's agent um, to see if there was some work that we could do expanding into traditional sports because we just saw some crossovers with athletes just gaming uh, a lot these days. And um, with him, we really had to you know dig deep and, and see what you know he was passionate about. And one thing um, he he's loved for forever was cartoons. And so basically, we came up with this idea to uh, start a cartoon series starring himself. Um, and uh, that was sort of where Uncle Vontae was born. But it's a nickname that he's had for, for a little bit. It's great. I try to have a nickname for all my players. And I never, I, it was just DVP for him. And I was never, not in love with it. So Uncle Vontae is a much better nickname. I'm, I'm way happier with that. Catchy for sure. That crossover of sports and gaming is an area that I've always been really interested in. I got my degree in sports broadcasting and I've always been a huge gamer and I really like that intersection of where uh, athletes playing video games, uh, the owners all being from athletes and then all the different sports simulation leagues, your Maddens, your FIFAs, uh, your NHLs. How have you seen that space evolve, especially during the pandemic with sports on its longest hiatus uh, since sports really existed over the last four or five months uh, from spring to summer? We saw a lot of gaming activations pop up, including hockey to help. How has that space really evolved during this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a real culture shift going on as, as far as kind of traditional athletes go. I think you're not used to seeing players really, you know, wanting to, to go out and, and party when they're on the road and, and do those sorts of things. And rather with the younger guys coming out, the rookies and, and whatnot, they want to just sit in their hotel rooms and play video games at the end of the day, a majority of these guys are gamers at heart and probably grew up with a lot of the same titles that we play. But um, I think during the pandemic, it really opened up a, a number of opportunities, especially in the kind of the early months of March, April, May, where, you know, so many things were uncertain with the sports world and, and where the leagues were going. So, you know, we were we were telling people, you know, six months to 12 months ago, hey, you know, your athlete should, should really get on Twitch, should really try to tap into this audience if they're, you know, truly passionate about gaming. And, you know, I, I think we all saw a number of athletes uh, 
jump on to Twitch and, and join the gaming space at, at once COVID hit because there wasn't much else to do. And, um, you know, whether that was tournaments, uh, you know, there was a number of them. I think FaZe has done an amazing job at kind of tapping into that athlete culture, whether it's having guys like Ben Simmons join, uh, you know, as owners or advisors. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's really opened up the doors. And, you know, for, for people like, I mean, the NBA's done an amazing job. I think they lead the charge as far as putting their athletes first. But for the NFL and some other sports leagues where, you know, guys are wearing helmets on the field, you don't really get that personal connection or really get to know them or who they are. And I think gaming, especially live streaming, offers that opportunity for people to have more of a personal connection to them and kind of see them face to face and see them interact and have those fun moments. Um, so, yeah. I think also gaming has become cool um over the last little while um and i think it sort of you know took some some moments from higher level athletes to get involved you know i think you know a huge breaking point was um you know the ninja stream with with drake and juju and travis scott and then sort of since then you've seen a real shift from you know gaming being this like more nerdy centric um activity to something where like hey i want to pair up and you know let's play you know Warzone, you know with you and three, you know, friends of yours and, you know, the, the, the top of the at like top athletes are, are embarking on that and they're, you know, streaming and interacting with some of the largest gamers and streamers as well. So I think it's really become a culture shift that, you know, gaming is now cool. Um, and then the accessibility to, you know, broadcast to a larger audience also opens up endorsement opportunities and just, you know, opportunities for athletes to get their uh, name and likeness and really connect with fans on a different level. Um, so, yeah. That fan connection is such an important part. And I love how you mentioned the NFL where players are wearing helmets and you don't really even know the faces of anybody besides quarterbacks or maybe the top three players at their positions. And Twitch streaming can really be a great way of creating fans, especially as traditional sports moves to this way of uh, much more player-centric fandom where players follow LeBron team to team and they're not necessarily as attached to one particular organization. A player that's on Twitch can grow fans from very early, uh, really early on and build those fans throughout their career, no matter which city they go to, by having a big presence in gaming platforms. I think we've seen that with Juju really well. I think there's a lot of people who are fans of Juju Smith-Schuster and then by extension the Pittsburgh Steelers even if they no normally would not have been just because they like FaZe they like him they like when he plays with his players probably same thing for Trevor May and the Minnesota Twins as well yeah I think it gives a lot of um you know non not as notable players the opportunity to get their their name and, and face out there um you know where you know the leagues are putting a lot of attention on the Tom Brady's of the league you know, the second string wide receiver on the Steelers doesn't get that attention, but they're able to control their distribution by way of social media or streaming and be able to connect with people just on a larger, deeper, deeper level. And I think when people are watching, you know, influencers and YouTubers and streamers, you're able to connect with them on a much, um, I guess, easier level where, you know, you can't really relate to a lot of these athletes when they're on the field because maybe you're not as fast or you didn't have the ability to throw a ball that well or shoot it that well. But when they're playing the same video games as you are and they're streaming from their, you know, their house and they have their bed in the background, it's, you know, it's messy or they have like, you know, a Pepsi can on, on the table and, and you have a Pepsi can, you know, there's a lot of relatability that, that goes into that. And I feel like that really builds a stronger connection 
um, you know, with a pro athlete, because, you know, obviously the, the abilities are different between, uh, quote, normal people and athletes. Yeah, absolutely. I I look at a football field and like I don't understand how any they're doing any of the things out there. But I watch one of them struggling uh, while playing Fortnite or playing Warzone. I'm like, I understand that. I've exactly. been there. Yeah. As uh, as up north represents all these different streamers and content creators, where are the opportunities for your clients with this overlap? What can be gained from both parties when combining a streamer with an athlete? We've seen a ton of streamers playing with athletes, and athletes being the ones who are reaching out to some of their favorite players being like, Hey, carry me. Hey, teach me some things about Warzone. Yeah, uh, sure. Where are the opportunities there? So we, uh, in January in 2019, um, we created a series called next one up on, um, two of our clients, YouTube channels. They're two of the largest, um, Madden gamers on YouTube. And basically the whole sort of premise of the show was to bring on athletes, celebrities, um, from different sports and areas of entertainment to, you know, give them a voice um, to try and, you know, build out, you know, their social media or they wanted to, you know, promote a camp or a foundation, you know, similarly function to a podcast whereby the vehicle of the conversation is the game. Um, and, you know, that adds an extra flair of um, competitiveness and, you know, people get intense when they're playing video games, but also, you know, just brings them into the large audience. So we created that. Um, it did extremely well. We had everyone from Lamar Jackson come on, Tyreek Hill, um, Akeem Hicks, Tariq Cohen, and, and a bunch of other um, Pro Bowl players in the NFL. We had Frank Kaminsky at the NBA and just really tried to, you know, give people a platform so that they could, you know, experience someone else's demographic, whereby having an NFL player playing Madden, you're tapping into NFL fans already. Um, and so, you know, one of the things we we're able to do was for Tyree Kill, he wanted his YouTube channel promoted. So one of our clients had at the time, I believe it was a million and a half subscribers on YouTube. Um, we tried to drive traffic uh, and attention to Tyreek's channel. And within the first seven days of us promoting the video, um, Tyreek went from 40,000 to 110,000 subscribers on YouTube. Um, since then, I believe he's closer to 300,000 in our video. One of the videos that we did with him one episode, uh, I think is closing in on 3 million views on YouTube. So once we were able to show people that, you know, there's crossover ability and that there's, you know, a massive amount of opportunity to be made from pairing up with the gamer, it became a lot easier to explain the narrative of like, what are the benefits of, you know, that crossover? Definitely. It's funny you mention. Tyreek, I believe I I used to write for the National Football Post and they reached out to me wanting to figure out all the different connections that the NFL has to esports. And that was back in like 2018. There weren't many. And I saw him post a Twitch stream and he was live with like 40 viewers, yeah. no audio, uh, no video, just out there. I was like, this is wild. A guy who has this much fame, who plays on a, a team that was before the Mahomes crazy Yes. It was the very start of it, actually. I think it was the offseason before Mahomes just went absolutely bonkers. Uh, but I was like, this is wild that this guy doesn't have more following. And especially during this pandemic, it feels like we've seen a lot of athletes realize that, hey, it's not enough for me to just throw a link up to my social media. You actually have to spend the time creating content, thinking about what people want to watch, and then interacting with the audience, You know, making sure you have a good camera, making sure you're, you're with uh, Twitch chat, making sure that everything runs smoothly. You have mods and all that stuff. And, and it feels like during this pandemic, with all the break, we saw a lot of people actually taking that time to 
not just create content, but start creating actually really good content. And I think management firms, like you guys mentioned, really can help with that for a lot of athletes to be like, hey, this is what works in the gaming space. We have these clients. This is how what they do. This is how you could build your following on all these platforms. Yeah, I think you, you, you're, you know, let's say you take a, an athlete with 100,000 followers on Instagram, where predominantly those are NFL fans, that doesn't necessarily, you know, and it's not necessarily going to translate into 100,000 gaming fans. You know, you have to be um, authentic, you have to engage with the community, because people will sniff you out and, and sort of just see that you're trying to have like a money making opportunity or that you're not genuine and just not want to, you know, follow. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about brands. Cole, I, I'm curious to hear from you. I don't want to leave you out of the conversation okay. here. Uh, so I, I write for Adweek about esports. So I am such a nerd about where brands are at esports. One of the really interesting things I always find is would brands make their first move into esports? And I know you guys did that with Haritos, the uh, Mexican soda brand that's fairly popular, just absolutely delicious. Uh, when you work with a brand like that, where it's doing its first foray into the gaming world, what is that like? Is there an explanation that needs to come with gaming spaces? Uh, can you contrast that with working with a brand like SteelSeries that's been in the space for so long because they literally are gamers and they work at a gaming space? What are the differences of working with a longtime brand at esports and one that's just coming into the industry? For sure. Yeah. I mean, we typically deal with kind of like that education barrier a lot of the time, most most of which when we're not working with an endemic brand. I mean, SteelSeries gets it. We love working with them. I think they definitely um, have their you know finger on the pulse as far as gaming culture, and we have some exciting announcements to come with them very soon. But you know, on the non-endemic side, um, you know, some get it and some you know understand the space, and some don't. And I think Haritos was a great example because we were fan, me and Cody were fans of the brand, and we saw it as an opportunity where. You know, everyone's got a G Fuel sponsor. Everybody's working with energy drinks, Game Fuel and whatnot. And we saw Haritos is like this well-recognized brand. I mean, it's a very famous Mexican soda brand. You can find it really in any taco shop or, you know, grocery store. Um, and we said, hey, why don't we reach out and see, you know, where are they at right now with their marketing efforts? Are they trying to tap into a new audience? Uh, and we had a conversation with them and, you know, they were looking to get into the space and didn't really know how. And Cody and I basically acted as, you know, an advisor on, hey, you know, here's what we think makes sense. Here's what we think is going to kind of maximize the engagement for you. Um, so we built out, you know, a partnership program with some of our clients, including Formula, uh, Nix and Random, some big Fortnite creators. Um, and, and that involves kind of setting them up with a fridge that would sit in the back of their streams and, and YouTube videos, similar to how Ninja has uh, his Red Bull fridge right there. Um, so right off the bat, you know, that immediate product placement and, and these guys daily upload. So, you know, with the repetition, we figured, you know, the, the brand would get, you know, a ton of exposure from that. Um, we did some giveaways, you know, we're working on some more branded content uh, with them right now, just moving forward. But that was kind of a great example on, Hey, you know, here's why you need to get into it. And, and ever since we did that, I mean, their social following has increased by thousands. Um, and, and we always have kind of fans sending in pictures like, hey, here's my favorite flavor. I'm at the grocery store right now picking up this, like shout out Formula for, for putting me on to Haritos. So that's where I think the brand sees 
the most value um, in return. It is now my dream to have a mini fridge of Haritos in yeah. my in my office. I love that. I don't really drink soda much anymore, but if I'm ever getting a burrito, if I'm ever, like you said, every single taco shop has them, I have to get a Haritos. There's just no, there's no argument about it. It's just like has to happen. Yeah, it's delicious. Do you feel like that's something that happens with a lot of brands where they recognize that there's a big opportunity in gaming, but they're just not totally sure where to start or, or how to begin in the space? For sure. I mean, I, I think there's some big risks too. Uh, I think I've seen, I mean, I feel like we've all seen some campaigns that have kind of gone sideways, whether it's just like a random sponsored <laughs> thing on Twitch or, or whatnot, but it, you know, you just have to be strategic about it and, and know how to kind of tap into the, you know, the right ways. Yeah, there's been uh, a few case studies that could probably be considered uh, negative in some way. And a large part of that is just recognizing where, who the streamers are you're partnering and the content creators you're partnering with, because there are some that aren't entirely brand friendly. Is that something you're working with, with streamers? You know, it's a, it's an interesting game to play where a lot of the most popular people aren't necessarily the most brand friendly people. How do you help your clients balance being in a place where brands are happy to work with you while also staying true to themselves and staying true to their audience and what got them there? So the majority of our, our, our clients, I would say are more, they fall more on the brand safe side of things. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you got, you can't force, you can't force it. I think you have to be organic. You have to be true to yourself. You know, if, if you want to cuss and that's part of your personality and, and your, your get up, then, you know, by all means, I think you should, you know, perform in that way and just be yourself. Um, I wouldn't advise people to, you know, go more brand safe if that's just meaning that they want to work with a brand, you know, there are partners that you can find that are more um, lax when it comes to those kinds of things. Obviously, stay away from controversy, but um, you got to be true to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, some brands are actually looking for that. Jack in the Box CMO once told me that they want edgy streamers. They want people who, yeah, are not going to get into massive controversies, but they don't mind somebody who's uh, a little toxic, maybe talks a lot of shit like that. That's not something that they're they're against. It's all about understanding which brands you can work with. But then you also have to recognize that, hey, you might be turning some brands off that. And I think people are also totally able to evolve. Ninja is a great example. We've talked about him quite a bit because he's been a pioneer for a lot of things in esports and gaming and streaming in general. And as he started as Ninja's Hyper, and he definitely toned down that side of him as he started working with brands like Adidas and Red Bull and Walmart, just out of pure necessity. And I think that's something that a lot of people saw and were like, Hey, I don't have to be completely, I don't have to completely change my image, but I might need to be aware of this if I want to do some of the things like Ninja does. And some of them just don't care. And I think that's also totally fine. I mean, we've had those conversations with our own clients about, Hey, like we're, we're never here to kind of pressure you to change the way you put out content and whatnot, but you know, we're only here to guide you and, you know, we can give tips and little suggestions along the way that can maybe help expand into, you know, working with, you know, a, a top brand name, um, and do some other exciting things outside of your YouTube channel. And, um, I think that's where we have a ton of creators who have that kind of crossover potential where, you know, you can transcend your audience, you can transcend platforms to go over and, you know, maybe you're a YouTube creator, but you have the ability to 
you know, have your own Facebook watch show or, or Snap TV content or whatever it is. And, and those are the conversations that we love to have um, with our clients. And Cody, if you want to kind of jump in on some of the other things that we're kind of putting together, even in that space. Yeah, a big focus for us right now, I think, is is trying to develop more original productions. So, you know, we did the next one up series, uh, which was the Madden series. Um, you know, we helped co-produce Uncle Vante, which was the cartoon series for Devante Parker. That's definitely an area that we're trying to expand on. And I think it's just, you know, having conversations with clients, sort of uh, doing a deep dive on, you know, their ambitions and goals and how they're going to further their content creation in a year or two years from now, because, as you know, uh, platforms can shut down on a whim and, you know, you have to develop an audience outside of one platform. And, um, you, you know, you've got to be thinking of, of what's next and trying to expand, um, you know, your opportunities as best as possible. That brings up something I was actually about to ask, and that's the role that gaming management has played with all these other platforms being created. Uh, as Ninja signed that exclusive deal with Mixer, Rip Mixer, uh, a lot of that was built upon Loaded, the gaming talent company that represents so many of those top streamers and basically was like, yeah, if one of you guys leaves Twitch, it won't be the only one. We could start creating more deals around this. Is that something you're thinking about, diversifying platforms and making sure you position people? Obviously, Twitch still is the best and they outlasted Mixer pretty cleanly there. Uh, but you've still got YouTube, you've got Facebook gaming still hanging around. Is that something you're thinking of? Like, What role does that play? As you're managing a streamer, are you thinking about possible different opportunities to expansion platforms to maybe exclusive moves? Is that something that's consistently on the radar or is that kind of a, a niche thing for really the absolute highest level of content? Um, I think to be the most successful, you have to understand that you sort of you have to transcend your audience because like, the mixer thing could happen again or, you know, next month YouTube can cut its um, AdSense rate in half and then, OK, you can't really fight against that, can you? Um, so you're really susceptible to the power of these larger platforms. So I think by diversifying, um, you know, your content and your audience, you're able to sort of hedge that a little bit. Um, and it gives you the opportunity to, you know, be just as powerful or as, or as relevant if, if something shuts down. And it also just opens up, you know, you to more opportunities. Some of our clients are strictly YouTubers and they don't stream. And we have, you know, conversations with them about, you know, what that could look like, how they're going to fit that into their schedule. Because, you know, on one side, it's a money-making opportunity where you can, you know, see a lot of upside there. But it's also another way to connect with your audience, right? It's it's the live in real time um, relationship that you can develop with people in your chat. Um, you know, with going live on Instagram, for example, it's another aspect where you get to have that live you know, sort of direct contact with someone or, um, you know, just playing around with, with different platforms. I think some of our clients have done a really good job with TikTok, for example, um, you know, really sort of cashing in on that gold rush of, of audience and, and growth that seems to be uh, occurring there, um, which has been super smart. And then, you know, it offer, it opens up opportunities for them to do paid paid opportunities and partnerships strictly on that platform that they wouldn't have had, you know, before. So I think, all in all, it just expands, you know, someone's career. And it, in my personal opinion, it, it can only be helpful to you. Absolutely. Yeah. The growth on TikTok has been absolutely insane. I just had to pop it open to see where the hashtag esports for all, which somehow has just become a massive hashtag. It has 4.5 billion views <laughs> on this crazy. hashtag. 
4.5 billion on one hashtag. It's the numbers that come out of TikTok are just absolutely absurd in some ways. And we've seen tons of gamers and gaming content creators grow really, really quickly on that platform. Quicker, seems like at a, at a rate of speed that is uh, almost unmatched by any other platform in just terms of consistent growth. Is that something that you guys have noticed as well with just massive growth on that? Absolutely. I mean, Cody and I pushed our clients to get on uh, TikTok pretty early on, you know, before it had, you know, that, that real kind of boom that it's had within the last, uh, I don't even know, six months, anywhere from six to 12 months. And, and we were at their office last year and they just said, Hey guys, gaming is going to be huge on this platform. We're going to push it hard. The algorithm is going to work in their favor. Like, please, please, please start pushing your, uh, you know, clients to get on it. And we did. And we saw someone like formula go from zero to 2 million. And Cody, I don't know, was it maybe four or five months or something like that? Something ridiculous. That's Very so absurd. <laughs> what? That's crazy. And he's got, I think formula, I was looking at his channel right before this. He's at like 4.5 million on YouTube, mm-hmm. but that was probably over what a span of four to five years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, it's Fortnite mostly, but like, yeah. it's still, it's crazy to think that you could go have that rate of growth over a span of like four months. And that's just TikTok and just the absolutely absurd amounts. And that algorithm just works in your favor and delivers you new content in a way that can be kind of hard to be discovered by the YouTube algorithm. Well, TikTok just hands you new content, new people to follow constantly. Taking advantage of an, another opportunity, right? It's 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 something that hasn't been endemic to gaming before. Obviously it's a it's a newer platform. It was around in a different version before. And you know, it allowed for people to start or enhance their careers. You know, it's another opportunity that people could have jumped on and still can uh, for that matter to to grow. Absolutely. I think we've talked a lot about some different trends, including, you know, sports crossing over with esports, TikTok, and new platforms being created. But I'm curious, as you guys look towards the future, what are some other things that people might not be on the lookout for that you're seeing for your clients that are saying, hey, maybe that's something that we can do for our clients to make sure they're positioned in the best place they can be for success? I'll I'll start. Um, I think, again, as we, you know, develop our clients, we're always taking inventory of who they are, what their hobbies are, and things like that. So, you know, for someone that has an infectious smile or a personality like, you know, Noisy Butters, who's on our roster, you know, we thought to partner with brands that sort of complement that, right? So, you know, we started working with Smile Direct Club in that capacity, and and she became their first ever gamer um, to be endorsed by them. It's really just taking sort of inventory and, and trying to think outside the box and, um, you know, capitalize on, you know, partnerships that not only enhance, you know, the brand that's, and they can grow alongside it as well. And um, looking for new, newer sort of concepts there, I think, again, from what I said previously about focusing on original IP and content creation, maybe off platform, off a of YouTube or um, off a of Twitch in the more traditional um, entertainment sense, whether that's um, TV, you know, as the digital age has, has been booming, maybe it's something uh, like a digital show or something like that. From my perspective, Cole, feel free to jump into. Yeah, for sure. I mean, pod, I, the podcast space is massive and you're seeing, you know, influencers jump on to Spotify exclusive deals. And obviously that's an area that we would love to explore and, and we'll be exploring soon with some of our talent. And 
um, yeah, you know, our, since we started, our entire kind of mantra was, you know, how can we be the first? How can we come up with, you know, creative ideas that have never really been done before? And, and that's why we really love the gaming and esports space. You know, obviously, um, it, it's massive and, and it's having a moment once again because of COVID. And I just think that, you know, we're working in an area that doesn't have too many barriers, even on the creative side. So it allows us to kind of put our thinking caps on and, and come up with these concepts that have never been done before. And, you know, how can we, you know, maximize them? Yeah, one one sort of brand category in particular that I think we're also trying to focus on is the skincare, um, male and fem- female. I think that's on its way to having a, a big boom. And not a lot of people in, in gaming are really capitalizing on that. And I think you're getting the attention of so many, um, you know, young kids that are going through, you know, acne and treatments and, you know, um, issues or, or things that are happening with their skincare as they're, you know, maturing. And I think that's definitely an area that um, Cole and I are going to focus on um, in the next six to 12 months. Yeah. Yeah. The self-care market as a whole. I mean, you're seeing companies like Dollar Shave Club, Harry's, Manscaped. They're massive, massive, massive companies now. And I've, I've even, I mean, we've done some Manscaped uh, promotions and Dollar Shave stuff recently, but I think it's going to continue. And that's 100% an area that, you know, if you're in that space, you should be targeting gaming. Yeah, I get those ads delivered to me maybe more than any other company. I feel like I can't go anywhere on the internet without seeing Dollar Shave Club or Manscaped somewhere. Yeah. I'm a Harry's guy, so uh, they're, they're barking up the wrong tree, unfortunately. Yeah. But I <laughs> maybe they're trying to, to convert me. Maybe that's what's happening there. Uh, so I want to wrap up the show here quickly, uh, but I appreciate you guys taking this time. This is a really interesting conversation. I want to end on a really big picture question. And, you know, I think we've seen over the last few years that streamers understand why they need management a lot more. Most streamers now have some level of management, but I assure you're talking to different content creators that don't have anybody currently managing them. And so I'm curious for both of your thoughts on if you could talk to a streamer who is, you know, growing their platform, uh, is not sure where they should take it next and is know they have something, but is looking for maybe taking that management. Why is management important to a growing streamer? What do you guys provide and why should streamers uh, be seeking out managers, you or others? Uh, to help them with their careers? It's uh, it's very important to have a, a team with you. I don't think there's been, you know, a successful athlete, artist, actor, entertainer, what have you, without a team behind them. And I think that goes from, you know, on a high level, the strategy and sort of the career development of, of what's going to happen with that individual, having a springboard to talk through situations, um, you know, having someone to have your back, to go through the mud, to trek along through the hard times with you so you're not alone in doing it, um, to, you know, uh, look at and evaluate different opportunities that, that come to that person or that they're seeking out to make sure that, you know, it's right for your brand or the compensation's right and it's just a good fit overall. Um, it's, it's a lot of, um, you know, decision-making and, and joint partnerships that we like to say. Um, we like to tell a lot of our clients that, you know, you're the CEO of your business and, and, and we're here to really help and provide and, and act as that COO, chief operating officer for you in, in your company on an individual level and, and just try to think big picture and, you know, um, help you get to where eventually you want to end up. 
Absolutely. You're absolutely right. I don't know if there's ever been anybody who, who became a, a massive athlete or a, or a musician without a team behind them, without something. It's just something that people take as standard, and it's finally becoming standard in the gaming world. This is a pretty new trend. Only about 2015, 2016, we start seeing gaming management companies start popping up, and there's still clearly a ton of opportunity and a ton of innovation to happen in this space. Definitely. Well, Cody, cool. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. It was great talking to you guys. I want to give you one final chance to plug up North Management. What should people be on the lookout for? Where do you want them following? Yeah, I mean, you can uh, follow us at UpNorthMG on Instagram. Uh, Twitter is the same handle. The website with our full roster is uh, www.upnorthmgmt.co. And you will see their guest pages right underneath this podcast, wherever you like to listen. And you can click on that and there will be links to their Twitter and their website. So if you want to check that out, you can just follow those links to get there quickly. It was great talking to you guys. We have some more awesome shows coming up this week. If you missed our last one, we talked gamer health with Adamus Esports. Interesting conversation about psychology and the way physical health plays into gamers' mental health. And then on Friday, we are talking to people from Game Lancer, actually doing something uh, where it's a freelancing for gamers that can play with other people uh, sort of on a freelance basis. It's going to be an interesting conversation. Haven't recorded that one yet, but be on the lookout for that one coming this Friday. That's all for this episode of the Esports Network Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Reams.